Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. This is Byron O'Neill, your host for today's episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner. Today, I'm sitting down with Hector Rodriguez III and David Bowles to talk about their new project, Black Demon Tales, which is the first mass market release on Scout's Chispa Comics imprint designed to highlight Latinx creators and stories. Black Demon Tales is now also a motion picture premiering in theaters in late April, I believe. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, April 28th. Uh-huh. All right. So we'll get a little bit into that as well as delve into how Chispa or Spark came into being as an imprint. So welcome both of you to the show today. Thanks, Byron, for having us. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, it seemed appropriate here on the Cryptid Creator Corner to feature a book about another North American cryptid, uh, possibly one, if not the biggest of them, um, the Black Demon Shark, um, said to live off the coast of the Baja Peninsula. Um, there have been several TV shows that, you know, the highest profile being the Discovery Channel's Shark Week. I think that was 2021. Um were there any personal connections to the Black Demon for either or both of you that drew you into wanting to feature this specific creature in the book? Well, not personal connections per se, other than the fact that, you know, we have, both of us have family living in Mexico, and it's just one of the the, the many, you know, legends that fam- families talk about. And I mean, when you're, if you're into that sort of stuff, if you're into kaijus and cryptids and monsters of all sorts, just like Hector and I are. You invariably do talk about this stuff with your friends and family yeah. in Mexico. Um, yeah, so it it you know I, you know not a personal connection per se. I would love to be able to tell you there was this one time that I was <laughs> surfing off the Pacific coast because I, I have a house much further down the coast um, in the state of Oaxaca on uh, near the town of uh, Masunte uh, between Puerto Escondido and and Huatulco, basically. Um, and it would be wonderful to be able to spin a really cool tale about the massive black shark I saw one day when I was drunkenly staggering <laughs> along the beach or something like that. But no, alas, <laughs> Hector, I don't know if you have some kind of secret story. Well, well you know, the there's, there's something so uh, common and so something so uh, appealing about the mysterious deaths of a dark ocean water you know especially the types of creatures that lurk underneath and so you know david and i growing up in the border we we always you know love these horror stories and miss these legends you know in our area and so something that speaks about the darker corners of the sea and the ocean and types of creatures that are mysterious that look underneath there's something very uh you know very dark and in natural horror of the unknown you know and so this speaks to everyone and i I will add that um as somebody who is really really um uh into both just casually and creative terms also scholarly work um because i'm I'm a a scholar of the Nahuatl language and indigenous language in mexico i'm i have been 
really, really fascinated by the Mesoamerican obsession with um, ocean leviathans. Uh, the Earth itself is supposed to be formed from a leviathan, and there are these other creatures. Um, the, in Nahuatl, they are called Sipatli, these like just massive creatures living in the cosmic oceans that um, are, you know, are said to be pretty vicious. And um, there is, I mean, there are multiple uh, more plausible etymologies, but one possible origin for the word shark in English is the uh, the the Maya word shock, which is the word for shark. <laughs> um, and there's a there's a lot of obsession you see in Olmec and and uh, and Toltec and, and Maya uh, like architecture and paintings stuff like that. Uh, images of massive sea creatures, um, sharks and and whales and things like that. And so mm, yeah, there's there's a preoccupation and, and literally the world. The the word in um in Nahuatl for the Americas is Semanawak, which means the sea ringed world. So there in the cosmos vision, this is idea of there's like this bit of land and we live on it, and then the the sea just rings us around and it's full of dangers and um is a place that <laughs> that we should probably stay the hell away from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was particularly happy that you managed to leverage an Architeuthis or you know a giant squid into the book. Okay. Um, it it definitely adds that kaiju feel. You know, makes me think of Godzilla movies. So, yeah. You know, as creators, how do you inject character into a giant mythological shark? That's Ooh. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one of it is you try to uh, with the the black demon. We try to give it like purpose. We try to give it like a rationale. So, um. In our universe, and it's something that is going to be especially clear in the film, the idea is that the Black Demon um, punishes particularly those people who mess with the oceans, right? It is kind of like um, like an ecological, uh, or I'm trying to figure out the best way to say it, but yeah, like like an ecological... um, Protagonist. Protagonist, or ecological... um, executioner that the the world or the gods or or some force has set about in the oceans to protect them and so anytime you know humanity goes too far in and the things that that it does to the oceans the black demon sweeps in to be like okay let me show you what you're really up against all your little puny little things are nothing besides this you know the, my massive jaws and and my bulk and and just the, the like preternatural rage that I bring to my encounters with humanity. And so um, thinking of it that way, thinking of just this, this creature that has existed since time immemorial. Um, and that is singularly dedicated to making sure that the oceans are as safe and well, maybe not safe, right? but as clean and pristine. And, and as they were at the beginning of time, yeah. uh, I think, I think, Giving him purpose like that and a kind of single-minded determination uh, helps, uh, and then you just you, you just unleash him as a force. You just then set up the situation um, and have foolish humans do stupid things, <laughs> and just unleash this force upon them. It's it's great. So you could have chosen really anything as your your flagship release uh, for the imprint. So why this one in particular? Well. 
Hector, I don't know if you want to chime in here, but I mean, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's just because it's, uh, you know, a lot of our, a lot of, a lot of things that we present in cheese, but, you know, is community and also history. And so we want to make sure that we, you know, are honoring some great legends, you know, and so, uh, as well as, you know, we figure out there's a great, this was also a great opportunity to talk about something that a lot of folks haven't heard of. And so there's something very appealing about sharks too. Yeah. Uh, and, and also as well as the ocean. And so this um, great legend needed to be told. And also with our partnership, Mucho Mas, you know, with Black Demon movie coming out, we wanted to make sure that we were very impactful in making sure that we also are making a great impact within the comic book community as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think um, Hector and I are huge Kaiju fans, like have been since we were kids, massive yeah. Godzilla fans. He's got, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've written, <laughs> I've written a Kaiju novel. Uh, we, we just love, it. and we have lots and lots of plans for future Kaiju adventures. We've got all these little clever things that we're, that we're planning on doing with Chispa. Um, and you know, multiple countries have their massive creatures. Um, whether usually because of cinematic reasons, right? So you know, U.S. has got uh, got King Kong, Japan has Godzilla, and you were like, you know, we kind of want we kind of want Mexico to have something, and um, like this this massive shark that has that fishermen have been complaining about for decades, and that has uh, reportedly caused so much destruction, just seems like the perfect way to. To showcase, you know, a Latin American country that is obviously near and dear to Hector and my heart because we're Mexican Americans, as are like multiple other people um, working with us uh, in, on the Chispa side through Mucho Mas Media, um, and and so it just it felt like a no brainer that this the combination of a really great screenplay um, and and just a really great director and a great uh, star. And um, and then the opportunity to do kind of like a multi-pronged uh, rollout of stories about this creature so that when people see it in the cinema and are like, like they find it really compelling and like just want more, that we've got more coming their way. So to kind of like feed the, the flames of that, that fandom and then also kind of like pull them into other, other Chispa titles so that they'll, they'll be like, wow, these guys are putting out some really cool content. Um, you know, uh, the we're we're gonna have multiple adventures and Black Demon Tales coming out this year, and then we've, we're already planning next year and the following year. Like the other day, we were we were just having this meeting that's like trying to to map out the next three years of of what's going to be happening in the Black Demon universe, um, which will eventually intersect in a larger like kaiju um, corner of the of the Chispaverse, as we call it, our kind of like. Um, the the universe in which a lot of our stories are happening. So um, we're we're excited by it, and I, I think that when people <laughs> see the Black Demon on screen, they're going to be like, "Yeah, okay, I get why you went with this yeah. because it's also just fucking terrifying." I'm sorry, it is horrifying. Yeah, yeah um, you know, just a, a, you know, a massive shark larger than a you know a, a bus or most boats, just like you know, coming out of the water, fifty sixty so, feet long. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's just, just an unimaginably massive it's like you know jaws but just you know three times as big just like a, a massive creature 
And um, there's the uh, supernatural element that makes it, you know, an edge. You know, it's something very different based on Mexican lore, uh, you know, with uh, indigenous beliefs. And so it's it's a great, a great story. And I think people are going to be surprised because the, like the easy way would have been just to tell the same story over and over again. Right. To, you know, um, somebody in the pre- we could have like been really heavy handed, some corporation in the presence. Probably an American corporation because, of course, the U.S. is the bad guys always. Of course, <laughs> of course. I mean, what? Maybe legitimately, but nonetheless, right? It, it <laughs> starts getting a little hackneyed if it's always a U.S. corporation screwing with the waters off the coast of Mexico. A black demon comes and and destroys their operations. Uh, you know, there's something to be said for telling the same story over and over and over, bigger and bigger and bigger. So, like what the Terminator franchise has done, or like you know, there are multiple franchises that that's what they do. And anytime they stray from that, um, fandom gets a little upset. But we wanted to, from the very beginning, we wanted to 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 tell widely different stories. So in these upcoming issues, we've got stories set in the '80s, stories set 500 years ago, stories set in an alternate um, timeline. Uh, it's we we've really just tried to to find stories and and, and writers and artists that will they'll keep the the this idea of this, you know, almost supernatural uh, protector of the oceans fresh and and keep people on their toes. It's the other things that you include because you just know at the end the black demon is going to come and fuck everybody's shit up, right? But you, but it's all the other trappings that make it really compelling. We want to have characters who are recurring and, and eventually like build up a group of people who who are maybe both supporting the work that the black demon does and trying to counter that, that work and, and pushing back against the idea that humanity can't be trusted with the oceans. And so uh, we don't want to take the easy out. We want the easy way out. We want to do something complex and fun. Yeah. I mean, big creature features seem to be kind of in vogue again, both in film and in comics, you know, although giant sharks, they've never really gone out of style. Yeah. I've read the synopsis of the movie coming out. Um, the plots don't overlap that much, at least from from that first issue that I read. So, how did we get from the comic to the movie movie adaptation, and what did the that script evolution look like? Like, how much are they going to mesh? Yeah. So, what you will eventually see is are characters from the film appearing in, in future um, issues and like standalone stories. Um, because we do see it as an interconnected universe and we do have like an overarching kind of you know satisfying story that we want to tell about some of these characters. Um, but so t- to back up a whole bunch, um, Javier Chapa, who is the head of Mucho Mas Media, the production company behind film, um, he and I have worked together on a lot of different projects, um, options. Uh, one of my books years ago, and we've, you've tried to make it into a TV series and have worked on different things. Um, and he was the, the, the first one to say, we need to do something with this, uh, with this legend. This is an incredible story. It's really, really great. Um, and he and I uh, spent some time trying to, to break a story and, and trying it and writing a couple different versions of the script. Um, just, just trying to get at the kind of story that we wanted to tell that was going to be the most uh, crowd pleasing because it's just really difficult to get a film made 
And if you're going to have a whole bunch of like Mexicans in a film and you're going to set it in Mexico and you're going to have people speaking Spanish to, throughout parts of the movie, um, there have got to be a lot of other things that are like really commercially appealing in order for it to, to, to get greenlit. Um, and so we shelved a lot of our initial ideas. Some of those then are going to reappear um, in, in comics. So in fact, my, my final draft of, of, of a screenplay for that is actually going to be, I'm going to be adapting it as three issues of the, the comic next year. Um, just because it would have been prohibitively expensive to make. And it was yeah. really <laughs> kind of a, a bit of a mind fuck and, and like just really, really weird, uh, more of a David Cronenberg twist on the black demon than, than like a, a more like traditionally, uh, yeah. crowd pleasing uh, kind of thing. Um, so we eventually, um, you know, turned the story over to, to Carlos and, and they brought on a really great uh, screenwriter. Um, we've got a really great director. And then Josh, of course, starring in it. It's, it's really great. And so all this synergy, like all the work that was done, kind of like exploring that is now we, uh, Hector and I have been able to pull that into the comic book world where we have a lot more flexibility and can tell stories um, that don't work as well on the screen or, or would be a lot more difficult to get greenlit and go off in some crazy tangents while keeping the screen adventures a little, a little more hmm, giving people that kind of like uh, that, that the feeling that you get at the end of like jaws or something like that, where you've been through a harrowing experience, but there, but there's like hope and um, heroism and things like that. And that that's, what we wanted to get across in the movie, you know, people are flawed, but people learn lessons and the main character ends up, you know, like, I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil it, but ends up, you know, having this arc where he comes into heroism in, in a really great way. Um, I was less interested in telling that kind of story. I wanted to tell like a straight up fucking horror story, <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, just think for a moment about how hard it is to put a massive, shark on the screen how much money has to be spent on special effects and you'll understand why that story needs to appeal to the broadest um kind of audience um whereas with uh the comics we can we can put in like massive yeah, we have more liberty, liberty. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah i mean it, it sounds like you you know the, there are different vehicles to, to fuel the same same pathway yeah um so what was a particular important kind of infuse with that cultural authenticity that you're you're looking for into the visuals of the book? Because the movie feels like it has a bit more of the, the mass appeal. Yeah. Well, we well I know, like Hector, you can talk about like what you were trying to do with uh, with Beya Blue, um, because you obviously, I mean, you did uh, again unusual things. You said it in the eighties. You had the Mexican Navy as the as the main. So, talk right. about like what drove you to like infuse it with all those like more yeah, specific well, cultural touchstones. Well, you know, there, there's um, I, 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 you know, growing up, I always had a, you know, I, I, I had a great appeal for uh, me a Mexican female protagonist, you know, and so you know having you know because we growing up you have these grand matriarchs in your family your yeah. mom your abuela and you know, so for me it was just a very natural way to start with 
uh, Bella Gonzalez, a, uh, a Navy, uh, Mexican Navy researcher. And so, and being the front center of the storyline and also as well as, you know, set in the eighties, you know, having that love for that, that genre with that, uh, you know, having a touch of uh, retro, um, futuristic, you know, ism within the, within the art, within the story and, and having a, a, a tone where, you know, setting a, a different world, you know, uh, away from the, the film, but not too far away it was where we were able to, you know, go back decades or, you know, from that contemporary setting. And as well, to, you know, it, it, you know, coming with, you know, as a writer within comic books, you, you all, I feel my, my style always, you always want to start with a bang with a, you always want to grab the reader, atten the attention of the reader from the beginning. And a lot of great comics begin with, with that, you know? And so, uh, especially since this is our flagship title, we really want to, you know, make a splash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I really loved all the like eighties computers and, you know, just, you know, when you, when you force something into a particular time period, um, there's a freedom in the limitations, right? Of the like, you've got to have the technology's got to can only do so much, um, and uh, it, it's it's just really great. What the the uh, second issue is set during the time of the Spanish conquest, um, and that's another great thing. So, like, you know, how you go from from oil rigs in the in the movie, and and um, you know, and massive Mexican uh, naval ships of the '80s. In, in the first comic to, you know, wooden caravels um, and, and Spanish conquistadores and so forth in the second issue. And then in the third one, uh, a completely different kind of setting um, in, in a, like an alternative history and also America. Yeah. Yeah. And the cold war in the, in the fifties and sixties. So um, just being able to have like really stunning visuals that are like informed by those, by both the cultural things and then by the restrictions of the time period. And also, I mean, by setting uh, his story in the eighties and, and, and introducing this character, Bella Gonzalez, um, Hector has created opportunity for Bella to appear again in multiple storylines and, and that, um, and to interact with characters, you know, as later in her life, some characters from the film, some characters from other issues of the comic. Um, it's just, it, it's, really an exciting sandbox to play in and um we've got lots of really really cool stories to tell and some great writers um that are going to be helping us tell them and so uh, I, I think people are going to be really really delighted by the variety um and if they like massive sharks chomping the shit out of boats they are <laughs> going to get a lot of that <laughs> and it doesn't hurt to be set in the 80s or in a historical period where there are no cell phones when there's a giant shark around. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy to, yeah, to call for help. Yeah, you can't document it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you, there's not, no snapping of pictures or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. the mystique can carry on. Yeah. Well, we're, we're teased at the end of, of the book with you know, a pending new series, The 13, which is coming, coming soon. Is that right? That's right. So The, the 13 is our... Um, the the first uh, team of chispas of like what well, that's what we call superheroes in the 
the Chispaverse, these sparks. Um, and uh, we are kind of rolling out that first team, the 13, which are kind of like, I, I always use the shorthand of like Mexican X-Men. If, so can, people can kind of like immediately get a feel. Younger um, people, the, the, all of them uh, come into the powers when they turn 18 and they all turn 18 uh, one day after the other over the course of like 13 days. Um, and there's a reason for that that will be revealed eventually. And what's happening this year is we are unrolling each one, uh, unveiling each one of those characters in um, in a series of thirteen one shots okay. that to tell the story of of how they how they realize their powers and how they get drawn into um, a setting that the ongoing series is going to launch next year and be written by Terry Blass is going to you know basically very much like like the X Men show them in a school, uh, but all of it. Very tinged with uh, Mexican uh, culture and 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 faith and and, and indigeneity, um, the powers that they have arise from their Mesoamerican day sign. So they're born on a particular day. If you're born on on a you know the one vulture like Sopilote, um, you are going to have some powers related to vultures i guess okay. right and so um it is it, it's a really really cool way they're they're mutations we can't call them mutants because that is <clears throat> a copyrighted term <laughs> marvel owns the copyright and you are not allowed to Believe call it or not. yeah you can't <laughs> call your you can't call your mutants mutants but they they're kind of like spiritual mutants if you will they have a mutation of their spiritual energy and it, it, that gives them these powers and we just have a, a, a um, an amazing uh, host of writers. Some of them experienced comic book writers. Some of them novelists. Some of them poets. Some of them like musicians, singers, and music. I mean, it's just like a wide range of Mexican Americans writing these stories, and they're really amazing, incredible stories, and just great illustrators as well. So, I'm super excited for people to see um, this yeah. new superhero universe. And this story is, um, you know, they definitely carry a big emotional punch you know with a lot of deep character and a lot of these writers have poured them themselves uh, parts of themselves in in these writings you know um to have this very genuine uh, re- representation reflection you know and so we're going to see a lot of that um these stories are very character driven very emotional driven um very different from each other as well mm-hmm. even though these are 13 uh, standalone characters you know they all are very different coming from all different walks of life within our uh latinx latino community yeah yeah no totally people are, are gonna love them and 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 those start dropping this summer so you know we're gonna um debut the the first few um issues of these one shots um at san diego comic-con and then they'll just start rolling out and roll out throughout the summer and in early fall so super okay. excited about it now, is the aim to feature only Latinx creators with the imprint specifically, or uh, prim- primarily? Yeah, I mean, there, there. Are, I think there are opportunities for um, collaboration um, uh, between, like, uh, Latinos and and people allies. who aren't, yeah, and and their allies. And yeah. we're certainly down for that. We're like, it's not like, oh, wait a minute, what? You've got a white person on your team? You don't get. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be madness. That's definitely not the kind of no, no. ideology that we want to promote. But we do want it to be primarily a way to showcase the, the talent. There's a showcase. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. 
but yeah, there, there, and, and as things grow, you know, there will be uh, all kinds of opportunities. And, and also when we talk about Latinos, we talk about Latin America. Um, it, it's really, really amazingly broad. So I, yeah. I'm already like putting out feelers with, um, people that I think could, could, um, be the, like the brains behind a Caribbean team of superheroes and the other people that can maybe do a central American team of superheroes. And just, we want to have like, it's really, really great representation of characters that are usually not on teams together because you'll have like a team and there'll be like that one Latino, but you'll never, you very, very seldom, if ever see an entire team of Latinos. And certainly not in, at, in like Marvel and in DC. That's yeah. typically, you might see that with a, an indie comic, but not, um, any mainstream uh, comics. And so um, it's just, uh, you know, uh, uh, an idea whose time has come. And once sure. you start rolling this out, I mean, and in the Chispa verse, there are, I mean, superheroes exist and have existed. And there are heroes who are, uh, is, it would be really weird for there to only be Latino heroes in the world. And people, and like <laughs> people who are non-Latino would be like, well, when do we get our superheroes? Well, you don't ever get them because you're not Latino. That would be yeah. horrifyingly bad but yeah we just we just want to center that uh especially at the outstart um because it's an underrepresented group in comic oh absolutely well talk to me about how cheesebot came into being kind of in the first place like is there is there a true north i mean we've talked a lot about you know representation here but you know do you have a mission statement if i mean i i think that that is essentially what the mission statement is. It's it's a, a way to to provide a platform for voices that uh, you know Latino voices that have been underrepresented. Um, it is the, the brainchild of Mucho Mas Media, the production company, um, and Scout Comics, who you know talk to each other and um, recognize that there is an issue in representation of well, I mean, people from community color uh, of color in general, not just Latinos, but um, uh, black folks and uh, Pacifica and Asian American, Indigenous folks, and so forth. Yeah. Um. And 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 also queer folks and and disabled. And I mean, there's just there's a lot of room for growth. And so thinking on that, and and mucho más media is like their goal is to improve Latinx representation in Hollywood. Um. They were like, yeah, let, let's do this. Let's create an imprint. And that was when mucho más reached out to Hector and to me because we've both worked with Javier on different things. And he was like, hey, would you guys be cool with being co-publishers slash co-editors-in-chief of, of this imprint? Um, foster this talent and so forth. And we're like, yeah, we're down for it. Um, we've got really busy lives as it is. But sure, why not? One more thing. Because, because we're, we're true believers in, um, in, in the, the fact that there are amazing stories that are not being told. Um, because it's typically tokenism that brings um, Latinos, not, not exclusively, but typically tokenism that brings Latinos into uh, creative teams in both Hollywood and in publishing. And so, yeah. We, comic we, book yeah. Industry. Well, yeah. Um, so that's what really makes us stand apart. You know, sure. Recently there has been a lot of uh, push and, you know, a lot of our friends and colleagues have been spearheading projects within, you know, DC and Marvel and image, you know, uh, but what really sets us apart from from them is that you know within the editorial creative leadership uh, in the publishing company, that's us. You know, 
that's the big that's the that's the difference that we are representing. We are the ones with you know the pulse within our community with our great partners across. You know, either be with you know Professor Dama from uh, University oh, yeah. of Texas. You know, great. yeah, and so. We have a lot of great allies uh, across the industry as well, you know, supporting us. Um, and so that's the biggest difference, you know, with uh, Chispa Comics that within the editorial uh, leadership, uh, you know, we are, we're representing these unheard of, these communities, you know, we're creating this platform. At the same time, you know, we're also, uh, let's be honest, we're also, you know, risking a lot of our, putting ourselves a lot into this imprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of a lot of time and effort, and um, not a, at at the beginning. You know, it's it's all investment. It's there's not any immediate like financial no, rewards. Just, um, but one of the things that I think is important to emphasize as we talk about, you know, the the goals of Chispa and our Latino orientation is that I know. That unfortunately, there are going to be people that are going to hear us and are going to go, oh, well, then that's not for me. But that would be a major mistake that, because just because the creatives that we're hiring are, are Latinos um, doesn't mean that what we're creating doesn't have a wide appeal. Doesn't mean that you are not going to think, oh my God, this is so badass. Trust me, you will. There is, um, in just the same way that we all can enjoy manga and um you know and like great films from bollywood and da 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 there's no reason why you can't enjoy a bunch of kick-ass comics written by mexican americans and cubans and puerto ricans stuff like that trust me we our culture <laughs> and our ideas are you're gonna find them just as cool and just as uh worthy of consumption as stories from around the world that we all consume daily and just like the rest of the world consumes american stories um it is, it, it's, I will, I will be honest with you, Byron, it's the one thing that always dumbfounds me, that the minute people realize that the, the foreignness is Latino in nature, it's suddenly, like, not nearly as cool as it would be if it were Asian or, you know, something else, right? Um, and, and I think that's the thing we need to work to change, that people need yeah. to realize how badass Mexican-American culture is. It right? is so weird to me, because I come from a cultural anthropology background. Um, and my focus was on the native peoples of North America. And this is in my, I have studied all different kinds of mythologies from around the world, right? This is probably the most diverse, interesting um, pantheon, you know, if you want to say it that, like there's so much to dive into. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what you guys do with this. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, you know, kind of on that note, how do how do we move beyond kind of those cultural cliches to some extent? And what I mean by that is I've talked to Latinx creators who who don't want to be put in that niche of only writing stories about luchadors, right? Or <laughs> only writing stories about Mayan warriors, right? Right, right? We just hit that big representation milestone with the recent Black Panther movie. There are, you know, lots of young kids now that are getting to see heroes that look like them, right? Um that share those key elements of the visual culture. So, so what's the next step? Maybe, you know, where's the balance or maybe that's a better way of putting it. Yeah, you're totally right. There's, it needs to be a balance because um, I think that what has happened in the past is that mm, Latinx creatives have found themselves 
either obliged to or feeling the obligation to um, right towards like caricature and stereotype and, and choose like the big um, over the top, just immediately recognizable tropey kinds of things. Luchador is and mariachis and da, 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 da. When, I mean, obviously Latin American culture is incredibly diverse and incredibly nuanced. And, you know, I think about me- Mexican culture and the, all the different regions of Mexico and all of the different <laughs> indigenous, the 60 different indigenous yeah. nations in Mexico and their languages and, and how that has influenced the formation of mestizo people in those areas. Just, it's also complex. And so the trick is to, to bring creators on board and say, bring us your IP that doesn't write, that isn't written to the white gaze, that isn't trying to, to um, objectify um, and you know, spend too much time either on the overt suffering of people or on, on humorous caricatures of people, but that tells real stories, real impactful stories, meaningful stories, fun stories, exciting stories that you want to tell, that you don't think that you can tell. That's the stories we want you to bring us um, because we want to be the place where you can tell those stories, um, where you can be unabashedly who you are and tell the stories, um, the complex, very human stories that are going to appeal to a lot of people, even in their specificity, because you know, that that's something that I say in nearly every conversation I ever have about this kind of stuff is that the universal arises from the specific. And so when you allow um, creators to bring in, as Hector is pointing out with the 13, their own specific identity, um, their own specific experiences, the towns that they live in, kinds of people that are in those towns and let those people, um, you know, populate, the, the pages of, of those comics, then you create something that is going to maybe kind of startle some people um, because that's not what they think being Latino is. Um, but at the end is going to, to delight people because those specific stories about the lives of, Oh yeah. You know, Mexican Americans in, on, in, in small border towns versus yeah. Mexican Americans living in California versus, versus Mexican Americans living in the Pacific Northwest or wherever, you know, um, all the specificity of their lives that are reflected in the characters that that are created for for this, this IP, um, I think is going to create like really amazing universal stories that will appeal across the board to all readers of comics um, who are interested in exciting stories that are both character and plot driven. Um, because it's something that I, I deeply believe in. Well, uh, for to to add, for example. Uh, coming out in June, we have Thanks for Mina, which is a slice of life, uh, great, uh, funny, emotional story. And also we have Mashburn Grifty, which is more of a slapstick, uh, you know, hilarious uh, story of- about two detectives. And so, I mean, that that alone is, you know, very wide appeal and you know, as well as our country, our horror anthology, Katrina's Caravan, coming out in May, uh, which is dulls into the more into the horror folklore of our world. Yeah, and in in all of those stories, and in, in, in those examples you've given us, 
Thanks Romina um, is, uh, you know, about a young Latina fresh out of college who gets a job um, in, in, um, in a Hollywood production company or a distribution company. And it's just like office politics and just romance and all yes. kinds of, you can say slice of life, but it's like specific to that particular Latinas identity, whereas Mashman and Grifty, as bizarre and uh, Rick and Morty as it gets, uh, is also like basically set on the border um, in this fictional town of New Brownsville, which is essentially Brownsville. And um, uh, it's slapsticky, but it's also very specific to this border region, and its jokes are are about this area and stuff like that. And um, the same, the different writers who are doing Continuous Caravan from V Castro to um to Cynthia Pelayo, they're just great writers who are writing about their own identity and their own experiences um as they're writing these fictional stories of uh <laughs> horrific things. Um and and I, I so to me that's what really matters. It's just that like that specificity and the voice that each one of these authors brings to the work. Um and the way that our amazing team of illustrators who are also from across the world um, bring those stories to life. Mm. So I, I really do think that um, as this this our initial slate rolls out, uh, people are going to really, really find a lot to love. Um, and although at first it might be hard for people to pronounce chispa because we keep hearing people saying chispa, um, <laughs> eventually it will. You know, we want you know for it to it to immediately um, correlate in people's minds with these like just really amazing uh, stories that are both character and plot driven and that, that reach a wide range of people through the specificity of the identities that they um, explore. Well, the press for the 13 said there are 62 million Latinx consumers in the U S comprising 25% of the Gen Z and millennial populations. I grew up buying comic books in a gas station, right? Then we transitioned into working in three different comic book shops. But my son, who is 15, um, my daughter, who's in Puerto Vallarta, um, they receive yeah. and digest comics in a very different way. Yeah. So how do you reach and engage that that new generation of Latinx readers? By using lots of different platforms. Um, Hector um, is yeah, some of the platforms that scout um, puts things out there. Obviously, we have the the traditional distributing through Diamond and like those floppy right. comics that and Schuster. comic stores. Yeah, but we also have Simon and Schuster for graphic novels because well, a lot of people are readers and not collectors of comics, and what they want is a complete story in their hands when they sit down to read. Right. Um, we, the, um, to, we will also have a present than the you know hottest and latest whatnot app. You know, and so oh, nice. been, what not? Yeah, 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 there's been a great hit within the comic industry. I mean, uh, so much so that they themselves have become a comic book publisher. Yeah. Yes, why not? I yeah. picked one of their books up like last week, yeah. right? And uh, so, yeah, so that the, the digital distribution of these comics is also very, very important because, as you say, I mean, um, there was a time when I collected comics, um, and and Hector and I were just comparing our our, our <laughs> collections the other day. Uh, but mostly nowadays, I purchase, I, I read comics online um, on my computer on this massive screen I have in front of me because my 53 year old eyes don't want to be squinting at. <laughs> I understand. Yep. No. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's, um, you know, also great partnerships within our local community. You know, we believe in supporting our local comic book shops. 
you know, hundred percent, you know, without them, you know, a lot of us would have been readers to begin with. And so, you know, I, I grew up, you know, reading, buying comic books from the HEB grocery market next grocery door, you market, know, yeah. and also uh, buying from the uh, old school BHS rental place next to the baseball cards collect, you know, back in the 80, late 80s, early, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and, you know, and now, you know, standalone, family-owned comic book shops that are local. And that's where a lot of great relationships are built too. And so a lot of creators have already established relationships within. And so, you know, it's also very important for us to connect with our community, you know, and so that's a great way. Yep. Agreed. Well, I hope we gave enough uh, time there to focus on Black Team and Tales. Uh, there's so much going on. You know, I just wanted to give some time to give some breath to everything else that amazing stuff that you guys have coming out in 2023. Um, we can look for Black Demon Tales on shelves. When is exactly is it coming out? Um, April, the um, um, the week right before the film. Uh, there, there's there, there's been some debate um, about whether it's going to be released the week of the film or the week before the film. Um, so somewhere between the 21st and the 28th, it will it will be on shelves. It will be right. available for pre order. It's already available for pre order, yeah. right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's in previews. Yeah, it's in previews. Yeah. All right. Well, where can everybody find you both online? Um, yeah. So, um, Chispa, we have a, a website. Um, was it just, was it just a chispacomics.com? Yeah. Yeah. Just go to, uh, chispacomics.com, but, uh, you can find Chispa through Instagram. Yep. And also Facebook Twitter. And Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so keep up to at Dave Chispa and- comics. I think the handle is right at Chispa Comics. At Chispa. And so yeah. all the ladies and great, especially, you know, um, also if you have a great story, you know, if you have some great uh, art you would like to share with us, you know, we're yeah. always, you know, very open-minded and as well as looking for new talent. Yep. You can reach out to us on social media um, and uh, we will give you an email to, to shoot us um, any kind of, um, you know, proposal or portfolio that you want us to take a look at. We're always, you know, looking for new stuff um, and are interested in, and, and, and people's IP as, as well as um, creators who want to work with us on Chispa IP as well. Definitely well, my last question. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. No. Um, my last question is about the hustle. Um, I asked guests for one piece of advice for the person out there listening, struggling to make it with their comic stream you know, or thinking about a career in the field. So what do you have for them? Uh, I, for me, is always be consistent, you know, always be consistent, never waver. And, and you know, just, it, it's for fun. You do it, if you do it for the love of comics, you know, um, if, if that's your, you know, you have to be true to yourself. Um. I mean, none of us are here for the grand door or the millions of dollars. You know, it's it's because we love uh, sequential storytelling. Yeah, and and I always tell people, I mean, because I'm primarily a writer, uh, primarily uh, like a novelist. But what I always tell people is, um, who people who are interested in being writers is, you know, focus mm-hmm. on writing that story that means so much to you. That's like burning a hole in your heart that only you can tell 
and that can only really be told with your voice. And um, don't try, don't don't waste your time trying to imitate other people. Don't tr- don't waste your time trying to ape other people's storylines, whatever. Find that thing that is is uniquely you, um, that that makes you want to get up every day to work on it some more, uh, because you're going to spend a lot of time with it. Um, as you're trying to to get your career off the ground, um, and then just don't let anybody tell you that it's it's a bad idea. Just keep working at it, uh, keep honing your craft. You may not be good when you start. Um, very few people are at the beginning, um, but you just keep working at it, plugging away, practicing, 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 reading a lot. If you want to be a comics creator and you don't read comics, like what the heck are you doing? That's just madness, right? Yeah. Uh, so be sure you know what's being done. And it um, shows. It shows. Yeah, it, yeah shows. it really it does show. Yeah, yeah. We've you, you, as an editor, you get scripts. Sometimes you're like, "Have you, have you like ever read a comic?" <laughs> it's, uh, it's really, really, and uh, that's another thing is if you want to be a writer of comics, don't just read comics. Find actual scripts and read comic scripts so you can see the way writers communicate with illustrators through the script um, and the, the way they they plot out story that way because. I think a lot of people just don't just don't understand those kinds of things. So um, take some time to really learn your craft and then tell the story that only you can. Well, Hector, David, thanks for joining me on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Byron. We appreciate it. Thank 100%. you. Well, this is Byron. On behalf of all of us at Comic Book Yeti, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.